Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2329 with a release date of Friday, June 17th, 2022 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Hams help reunite a family in India. A disaster drill goes forward in Washington State. And German amateurs roll out a national emergency response plan. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2329 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's independent weekly amateur radio news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Picayune, Mississippi, here is Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. We begin this week with disaster preparedness. As the world focuses increasingly on changing weather and geologic hazards, a disaster response program with wide-ranging potential has made its debut in Germany. Ed Durant, DD5LP, brings us the details. Germany's amateur radio community is launching a wide-ranging program of disaster response. The pilot project is being led by the German Amateur Radio Club, the DARC, in cooperation with Notfunk Bodensee, a late Constance radio response group. The need for broader and improved response was underscored recently by the devastating floods in the Ahr Valley. The new network has started to be rolled out near Lake Constance in Markdorf, where a donated emergency communications vehicle is being put into service. Organisers say that the effective radio response during the 1999 avalanche in Galtour proved to be a good model for Germany's amateur radio response, but in the intervening years, communications capability has progressed even more. The initiative is expected to expand next into Ravensburg and Lindau. Greater detail will be unveiled at Ham Radio Friedrichshafen on Friday, June 24th. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. Meanwhile, in the U.S., a disaster drill switched formats and reported some rewarding results. The Cascadia Rising Preparedness Exercise in the Pacific Northwest region tests emergency response by government, business, and volunteers in the face of an earthquake and subsequent tsunami. This year's exercise, however, was unprecedented. With the region's resources stretched from historic wildfires, periods of intense rain, and the ongoing pandemic, organizers opted to hold this year's Cascadia Rising as a discussion-based drill. It was conducted virtually on Microsoft Teams rather than as the customary simulation of previous years. Robert Sabarisi, Assessment and Exercise Program Supervisor with the Washington State Emergency Management Division, told Newsline that during the drill, which ran from June 13th to 16th, amateur radio emerged with even greater potential for deeper involvement. He said there was new clarity in how hams can be further deployed beyond their critical early roles, aiding transportation and resource delivery to disaster victims. In West Bengal, India, a hospitalized woman was reunited with her family in Bangladesh nearly two and a half years after falling ill and becoming separated from them. An amateur radio provided the vital connection. Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF, has that story. When authorities contacted members of the West Bengal Radio Club in India several months ago to assist a hospitalised woman in the city of Jagram, the hams knew they'd have to accomplish something they'd done so many times before reunite a family with a missing member. According to a news report in the Millennium Post, a woman who was found by the side of the road 30 months earlier was found to be suffering from a mental condition and was hospitalised to begin a lengthy course of treatment. She was unable to provide information on the whereabouts of any family members. Local officials reached out to the radio amateurs and asked them to get involved. 
After eight months of searching, they finally located the woman's brother in Bangladesh. The woman confirmed that she knew him and expressed a desire to return home. This month, three of the hams were able to accompany her to the border of the two countries to reunite with her brother. Ambrash Nagbizvos, VU2JFA, the club secretary, identified the hams as Nirmalendo Mahato, VU3IQW, Parimal Roy, VU3ZIM, and Sujata Goswami, VU3XBR. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin, Sidil 2BHF. This year's Youth on the Air Camp for Young Operators in the Americas is turning out to be a memorable one. Updating us now from the middle of all the action is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. High temperatures and high winds haven't been enough to put a damper on the 2022 Youth on the Air Camp for the Americas in Metro Cincinnati, Ohio. 21 campers have learned about contesting, digital modes, and D-Star, and built two direction-finding kits and a code key. The team launched a high-altitude balloon with an APRS beacon that reached just over 97,000 feet and a mid-altitude balloon with a whisper beacon that is still traveling around the globe at about 30,000 feet with the identifier K4PRM-1. As this story is being filed, the camp is approaching the halfway point and about to embark on VHF contests at Kings Island Amusement Park. And, of course, the campers have been on the air using the call sign W8Y. Everyone is having a great time, learning a lot, and building a strong community of youth amateur radio operators. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Camp Director Neil Rapp, WB9VPG in Westchester, Ohio. Scientists are taking a second look at the damage caused by a fragment that struck the Webb Space Telescope recently. Paul Brown, WD9GCO, brings us up to date. The U.S. space agency NASA is assessing the impact that a micrometeorite strike had on the James Webb Space Telescope, which it struck last month. The dust-sized fragment is reported to have hit one of the primary mirror segments used in data collection. Engineers' initial assessments show only a slight change in the performance of the mirror and were able to reposition it in an attempt to compensate for the strike. Reports say that this was the fifth impact of its kind since the telescope was sent into space into December as the heir apparent to the aging Hubble telescope. NASA wrote in a blog post that its analysis and measurements will continue. NASA is still on track for its July 12th date to release the first images collected by the telescope. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO. The European Space Agency is involved in a project to reduce the clutter of outdated satellites from the skies. John Williams, VK4JJW, explains. Think of it as a high-flying system of air traffic control. An extremely high-flying system of air traffic control. The European Space Agency's Sunrise program is preparing to get rid of telecommunications satellites that have outlived their usefulness and are junking up the skies. The removal process is being coordinated by Astroscale, a private company that will remove the orbital debris and OneWeb, the satellite network providing internet broadband. The ESA partnership project is the first of its kind and is expected to produce a prototype that can remove the outdated satellites 
satellites from their low Earth orbits. The goal is to protect the environment where low Earth orbits take place and to reduce the chance of collisions. When the contract was awarded to Astroscale in 2019, the company said the ESA initiative would, quote, advance the environmentally sustainable use of space, unquote, and preserve its use for generations to come. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm John Williams, VK4JJW. Two British radio amateurs were arrested by Albanian authorities who claimed they were operating as spies. We have that report from Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Authorities in Albania are investigating the activities of two ham radio operators from Great Britain who were arrested in May after amateur radio transceivers were discovered in their baggage. A report of the incident appeared in the UK's Daily Mirror, Daily Mail and Daily Express newspapers. The men were not identified in the media accounts but were said to have been charged with spying after being stopped at Albania's Tirana International Airport on the 30th of May. The news report said that the men told police that they were IT engineers on holiday. After extensive questioning, the men were permitted to return home. Their Kenwood radios were taken for further examination to determine whether they were capable of interfering with Albania's military and secret service analogue radio frequencies. Investigators were also studying the radios to see whether they could record transmissions. There were no further details about the case. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the W8SRC repeater in Dexter, Michigan, on Fridays at 9 p.m. Life for users of handheld electronics in EU countries is expected to get a little bit simpler, as we hear from Ed Durant, DD5LP. Electronic users in the EU nations will soon only be permitted to use one kind of charger with their smartphones, headphones, tablets and many other handheld electronic devices. The European Commission, the executive branch of the EU, said that standardisation of all handheld devices to use the same USB-C port by 2024 will make products more sustainable and generate less electronic waste. Observers immediately noticed that the move will have an especially big impact on companies with proprietary chargers such as Apple. Makers of laptops are being given until later to complete the transition to universal charging ports. The tentative agreement was reached June 7th and amends the Radio Equipment Directive. The agreement will undergo a formal vote after the summer recess has ended. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. Congratulations to 4U1ITU, the amateur radio station of the International Telecommunications Union, which is marking 60 years of operation as part of the United Nations Specialized Agency for Communication. Its first QSO in June of 1962 was with DL4VK in Germany, and that contact marked the start of a busy 24 hours in which more than 1,300 contacts worldwide were logged. The station has since logged more than a million contacts in CW, SSB, and digital modes, including its first use of the weak signal mode software WSJT, which bounced signals off the moon. That activation was made by Nobel laureate Joe Taylor, K1JT, the software's creator, and was logged on the occasion of the station's golden anniversary. In recent years, 4U1ITU has logged contacts with astronauts aboard the International Space Station and participated in the ARIS programs with students in Switzerland. 
Judges in the IARU Region 1 Ham Challenge have identified the five finalists, and Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, is here to tell us who they are. As the IARU Region 1 Ham Challenge 2022 comes to its conclusion, the five finalists have been announced. The jury has chosen these proposals in keeping with the competition's goal to solicit ideas that will draw more people into amateur radio and invigorate the hobby for those already involved. The finalists will continue in the competition at Ham Radio Friedrichshaven, either online or in person, in a question-and-answer forum. They are Nesta, 5B4AHZ, for a project known as Escape Rooms, Gustavo, EA4HDN4AM Bob, Christian, HB9FEU for a public database of fun projects for innovation, Luca, IU2FRL for Urgensat, and Guy, ZS6GUY for a workbook that will showcase various aspects of the hobby. Their next task is to prepare a video about their project and a document giving details on how they plan to make it a reality. Both the video and the paper are due by the 22nd of June. For Avatar Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. If you're hoping to work the team on Sable Island off the Canadian coast this fall, you can now track their progress with their newly launched website. Here's Dave Parks, WB8ODF, with the details. On a small North Atlantic island, southeast of Nova Scotia, Canada, you can expect to find gray seals, wild horses, and amateur radio operators. Well, the third group will only be a temporary residence there on Sable Island, which is also known as the Sable Island National Park Reserve. The team plans a seven or eight day de-expedition in October and November as CY0S. A website was launched earlier this month to keep DX enthusiasts up to date and it will be adding new information on a regular basis. The website is cy0s.com and continues to be updated by Webmaster Chaz, W4GKF, and Randy, N0TG. The team, which includes three DX Hall of Famers, expects to operate in a very small area on the island so as not to have any impact on the animals. Visit the website regularly for updates. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Dave Parks, WB8ODF. In the world of DX, Barry, F.O. stroke KD6XU has been active from French Polynesia and can be heard from the Society Islands. Be listening for him using CW mainly on the 40 through 12 meter bands. Listen for Team ZY8AM from the Amazon Rainforest in Brazil between July 1st and 12th. They'll be active on 160 to 6 meters using CW, SSB, and FT8. QSL using Logbook of the World or Direct only. In Guatemala, Stefan, K4IM, is on the air as TG9AWS until October. Listen for him from 160 to 10 meters with a focus on RTTY. QSL via the home call, direct, Logbook of the World, or OQRS club call. Roland, F8EN, is on Gabon Island operating as TR8CR until the end of July. Listen on 40, 30, and 20 meters where he's using CW. QSL via F6AJA, direct, or the Bureau. And for our final story, we look at how one carmaker's ad campaign has embraced the spirit of the de-expedition. In fact, the carmaker is using that campaign as a vehicle a four-wheel drive vehicle in this case, to honor the kind of adventurous spirit found in amateur radio and to celebrate, in a big way, Morse code. Here's Mike Askins, KE5CXP, with the details. 
There's no need to keep a secret about what's going on at Jeep. The popular car maker has been into Morse code now for quite a few years. In 2015, there was a campaign slogan, Don't Morse Code and Drive, which gave good safety advice to motorists having off-road adventures in their 4x4. Later came a Morse code message in the cars themselves, dits and dahs and raised bumps visible on the driver's left footrest. Decoded, the message spells out sand, snow, rivers, and rocks, the terrain the SUV was made to conquer with relative ease. Now there's a new campaign called Jeep Code, released this past spring by the ad agency Publicis Group. The agency's executive creative director said on the website Little Black Book Online that CW serves as an ideal match for Jeep because Morse code is a good form of communication for people in remote, off-road places. The agency directed the creation of a website to complement the campaign, letting people generate or translate their own Morse code messages just for fun. That website is jeeplifeiscalling.com. When miles or kilometers per hour teams up with words per minute, the only thing left for the car maker to do, perhaps, is to trade in all those ignition keys for straight keys. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Mike Askins, KE5CXP. With thanks to the ads of the world, AMSAT News Service, ARRL, Astroscale, BBC, CQ Magazine, The Daily Mirror, The Daily Express, David Behar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, Jeep, Life is Calling, IARU Region 1, Little Black Book Online, Millennium Post, NPR, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, Robert Sabarisi, Southgate Amateur Radio News, Sable Island D-Expedition website, shortwaveradio.de, Tech Monitor, The Washington Post, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Don Wilbanks, AE5DW in Picayune, Mississippi, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022. All rights are reserved.